Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. We've had a great weekend. We uh, participated yesterday and Friday and set free, and there was about 600 participants, and some of you joined in with that. I'm trusting and believing that it helps change, help change your life and make an impact in your life in some very important areas. We are in the third week of Anxious for Nothing, another tool, another resource that we God gives us that we can help bring about change, needed change in our life. So we're all about doing that. We're all about participating and uh, helping you in this great walk, this great journey that we have with our Lord. Now, we have an enemy. I think you know that. There's one who does not want us to have this great spiritual journey. Um, he has a name. He's called Satan. We have, and Jesus says he's a thief. He actually calls him a thief. In fact, he says in John 10, 10, that thief's purpose, Satan's purpose is to steal kill and destroy. And that is just so sobering. I mean, that just gets my attention. Someone actually wants to steal from me, steal my joy, wants to kill me and destroy my life. I mean, that's his mission statement. That's his job outline. But Jesus is on a different mission. He's on a mission as well, but so different than what the enemy wants for us. In that same verse, Jesus says, but my purpose for you is to give you a rich and satisfying life. And I wonder who would you want to adhere to? Who would you want to join with in life? With our enemy who wants to kill, rob, and destroy? Or with our Lord who says, no, I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. That's why we're here today. That's why we're doing this series, because we desire that as well. And our God wants that for us. I think uh, many years ago, I had this simple revelation. And it was a simple revelation because I'm a very simple guy. And I realized this enemy we have, Satan, um, probably wouldn't have a lot of success in destroying our life by getting us to rob a bank or kill somebody. I mean, we know that that's wrong. Most of us do, I hope. And we know the consequences of such drastic actions. So our enemy, the devil, is not going to try to convince you and I to partake in these sort of things. Uh, we're, there might be people who frustrate us, but we're not going to murder them. We might feel like we need some more money and could use help in that area, but we're not going to go rob a bank. So the enemy, I, I just had this revelation. If he, if he cannot get us to do these things, what can he do? What can he do to rob and steal and destroy our life? And the answer is this, worry. He can cause us to become anxious and worry, which distracts us which robs us, which destroys us in our life. The Bible says, do not steal, so we don't. Bible says, do not murder, so we don't. Bible says, don't be anxious, but we do. The devil knows he will not convince you to do some horrific crime, but he can just get the foot in there to, to give you a reason to be anxious. That's all he has to do. That's all he has to do. So Jesus tells us, and Morgan, thank you for reading the scripture today. We're looking forward to when you're going to be here soon. Uh, Morgan read this from Matthew 6. Jesus says, so don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And you can add anything else on that list. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Did you hear that? Jesus said, these are the things that dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows about your needs. 
Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously before God. And he will give you everything you need. So I want to ask you a question today. When you're facing trials, when the enemy's causing you and tempting you to become anxious, when you worry, the question I have to you is, have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? It is what troubles you. It is what fatigues you. It is what keeps you awake at night. It is whatever's stealing and robbing you of your joy. It is the disease that you can't cure. It is the marriage that you can't fix. It is the job you can't stand, the rage that you cannot tame. It's, it's just two letters, it. And yet it can loom over us all the time, weighing us down, burdening us so much. If it wasn't for it, I would have more peace in my life. But it keeps coming up over and over and over again, and it wears us down. It causes us to become, it causes us to become anxious. And we come to this point in our life, we cry out, I can't take it anymore. And it becomes the focus in our, of our life, and we sink in it. God is aware. God is aware of it. And so when God's word encourages us to take it and place it, place two words before it. And those two words are this, pray about it. And when we pray before it, it doesn't seem as big and scary as it was. We, we reduce it to its proper size for when we pray in faith and when we focus on Jesus. In fact, I want you to remember those two words, Faith and focus, that's really what the first two messages have been on. We're going to talk about it today. Faith and focus, remember those words. But when we pray in faith and when we focus on Christ, it becomes smaller. It has no choice to become smaller because when we bring it into the presence of God, it, it, it just shrinks. You bring it to God and you say, Lord, I, I, just, I just can't handle it anymore, but you can. Lord, I can't deal with it, but you can. And I don't know what to do with it, but you do. And so, Lord, I'm leaving it up to you, I'm giving this to you. It. And you know what? Here's the good news. This is so thrilling. God wants us to give it to him. God wants us to bring it to him in prayer. We read in his word to us, God says, Give all your worries and cares to me, for I care about you. That's a great foundation to go build a life on, isn't it? Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And here's the thing we got to ask ourselves. Either we're praying or worrying about what the outcome will be. Either we're praying about it or we're worrying about it. And when you choose to worry about it, it gets bigger. When you choose to pray about it, it gets smaller. 
And here's the beauty of praying about everything. You know, we, in every situation, the Bible says we are to pray. We, the Bible says we're to pray about everything. And the beauty is when you pray about everything, what is left after everything? Nothing. God wants us to completely abandon anxiety and worrying about things to where we come just to pray. We come humbly. We seek. We ask and we give thanks. We've been looking at this prescription that God gives us, which talks about these things in the Bible. Let's read it together again today. Let's, it's been in our mind. We're trying to memorize this. Those of us in the anxious for nothing groups, life groups. But in Philippians 4, 6 to 9 says this, do not be anxious about anything. See, God says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, focus on such things. Whatever you have, learned or whatever you have received from me or heard from me or seen in me, put them into practice. See, this is important. It's not just debating. It's not just theory. We're to put what we learn into practice. And the promise is this, and the God of peace will be with you. Be anxious for nothing. We began this series saying, is that even possible? It sounds impossible. But so does walking on water. And we saw and we know that Peter did. He did the impossible because Jesus called him to and enabled him to do the impossible by walking on water. It was a day when Peter and the disciples were out on the boat far from land on the Sea of Galilee when a storm came up, a fierce storm, and they're very much afraid. And the Bible says the disciples were in trouble. They were very anxious. And then Jesus comes walking out to them on water. And for the disciples, this scared them too. This added to their anxiety. Who is this? What's happening here? The Bible says they're terrified and fearful. But Jesus called out to them, assuring him, them as he does with us, saying, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And we spoke last week about God is here with us in the storm. He may not prevent every storm or save us from every storm ha- happening in our life. He may not prevent us from walking in the darkest valley, but Psalm 23 said, and we saw, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you, Lord, are close beside me. So here again with the disciples, Jesus is with us in the storm. He comes walking out on water and we read this. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, Jesus said, come. And Peter would never consider doing this on his own unless Jesus called him. To do it, unless Jesus told him he could do it. Peter got out of the boat and began to do the impossible. He walked on water, but it required Peter stepping out of the boat. This is the act of faith. I like the title of John Ortberg's book on this whole event. He calls his book, If You Want to Walk on Water, 
You've got to get out of the boat. <laughs> and there's no possible way Peter could ever do this on his own unless Jesus was with him and told him it was possible. We need to have faith to step out and walk forward in the storm. And we need to keep our focus on Jesus in the storm. As long as Peter remained focused on Jesus, he was doing the impossible. He was walking on water. Was the storm real? Certainly it was. Did the storm give Peter reason to be anxious? Oh, yeah. Should Peter have sunk? Yes, he should have, but he didn't. Why? Focus. And not just on positive thoughts or focusing in self-belief, but he kept his gaze on Christ, who was the one enabling him to walk on water. But then three things happened in the text. Number one, Jesus no longer became the focus of Peter's attention. Peter was suddenly distracted and fixated on the storm around him because storms have a way of getting our attention, don't they? Secondly, this new focus, this shift from Jesus to the storm caused Peter to become anxious. He, be, he began to panic. The Bible said he was terrified. And as a result, number three, Peter began to sink. As soon as Peter took his gaze, his focus off Christ, and began to focus on the storm all around him, he sank. Because it really is all about faith and focus. Focus held him up in the storm, but fear sank him. For Peter that day in the storm, everything was dependent upon whether or not he was focusing on the Lord or the storm around him. And so it does with you and I still today. There'll be cause for us to be anxious. But then God's word comes to us and says, do not be anxious about anything. And we say, is this even possible? It is. But like all of God's promises to us, there are conditions we need to adhere to if we're going to experience the peace of his promise. to have faith that God is indeed with us, that he alone is able to carry us through those times of anxiety, those storms and trials that we face. And we need to remain focused on him in them, for he is with us. I am here. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I am here. Our scripture today said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds of Christ Jesus. The promise is this, the peace of God will guard you in the storm. But we've come to learn that with every promise God gives us, there is a condition that we need to follow. And if we're going to experience the peace of God, we need to, in every situation, by prayer, by asking, by giving praise, present our requests to God. So you take it before God, before it takes you. 
my wife was sharing with me this week how since we've been doing this Anxious for Nothing series that she notices how more things that come up. She notices the things in life which wants to cause us to become anxious. And I asked her for an example. She shared with me an example. And I was thinking of an example of how this is true. And, and I have one illustration here and I, I, I stroked that out and I had another illustration. I'm going to stroke that one out and on the spot right now, just share with you something I've only shared with, with, with my wife. Uh, last week was one of those days, had one of those days where I was very flustered. I was in meetings and people were asking me for things and needing things done. And I just felt overwhelmed because I'm in meetings and I just felt like a lot of responsibilities were adding up and I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I really became very flustered. Isn't that true, David? He's going like this. Um, and God, he notes that. And so that night, God does what he always does. He, he spoke to me in a dream. And God has a sense of humor. And I know this dream was from God because in your dreams, you can kind of, Take control. You, you know what's going to, you know, you're, you're putting the words and, and the play and the script and, 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 and the motion, but I was not in control of this dream. So in this dream, I'm at home and I'm flustered like it was that day, very, you know, like Martha and distracted by so many things. And, 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 and in the dream, um, I was working for Donald Trump, not the president, but Donald Trump, the apprentice. Remember that show? You're fired or you're hired. And I'm at the kitchen cupboard and I'm, and I'm flustered and I'm snapping the people and I feel this hand on the back of my shoulder and I go, what? And I turned around and it was Donald Trump. God has a sense of humor. And, um, I was so, oh, I'm sorry. And cause I, you know, I work for this guy and, you know, I'm an apprentice for this guy and he has the means to say you're fired. If you could treat me like that with no respect and you're going to get flustered and carried away, you're gone. And he's looking at me and I'm expected to hear him say, you're fired. Or maybe you're hired. But God had another word in mind. And this is why he used Donald Trump. In my dream, without any idea, without under knowing what was coming out next, he looked at me and said, Mark, you're tired. I went, oh. God cares about you that much. Let that be a word for you as well. Take it before God, before it takes you. We saw last week, God doesn't always prevent us from going through the darkest valley or being thrown into the fiery furnace or thrown into the lion's den. But we saw in each one of these cases, and there's many more, where God is with us in these trials, in these frustrations, in these moments of anxiety, and he will protect us. He is there with us. And unless you go through the trial, we will not learn often our condition. We will not learn or know the goodness of God unless we come to that point saying, God, I am relying and trusting on you to be with me. I'm praying to you in faith. I'm focusing on you in faith. There are things we will not learn on mountaintops but requires us to walk through the darkest valley before we can learn them. We think we, we know, but not until we go through those experiences do we know the goodness of God. Lately, I've been surprising our family by making biscuits for supper. 
And there's nothing like taking a warm, fresh biscuit out of the oven, putting some butter and honey on it and just biting into it. It's so, so good. Now, the biscuit doesn't begin this way, however. It, it consists of different ingredients. And here's the thing. None of these ingredients are very appetizing on their own. And we wouldn't eat like spoonfuls of, of flour and salt and baking powder. A raw egg doesn't sound very delicious to us or appetizing. We wouldn't take hunks of butter and, or eat cups of salt. Even sugar by itself, we wouldn't take loaves of sugar. It just it would be gross. None of these ingredients are appetizing on their own. And yet something wonderful happens when we mix them all together. These ingredients, these trials, these storms, these anxious moments that God allows into our life do not taste very good to us at the time. We would not seek them or choose them for our own. But God says, let them do their work. And he combines them together and he uses them in our lives. And he allows us to be tested in the heat of the oven. Why? Because God is thinking about the end result. He knows it requires these ingredients to make something wonderful and beautiful in our lives. It builds the character we need to sustain this world. It, it matures us. It, it grows our faith. It teaches us where our help comes from. It is Romans 8.28 where it begins to say, and we know this isn't just conjecture. This isn't uh, just hypothesis. This isn't just theorizing. This is says, and we know, we are certain that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. When Glenda sees all the ingredients to make biscuits on the kitchen counter, she knows this is not the end result. She knows I'll combine them and work them and bake them, and the end result is going to be good. We may not choose in our life to walk through the darkest valleys. We would not walk them if it were up to us, but God knows the end result, and it's good. We can know this. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me, Lord. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And we can testify. And we know, and I know God causes everything. Even all these ingredients, these trials, these, these reasons that want me to become anxious. He will work them together for the good of those who love him. And are called according to his purpose for them. So... For our take two today, we are in the habit of taking two minutes at the end of every message to meet with God, to listen to God. And today I want you to talk to him about it. What is it that's stressing you? What is it that's causing you to be anxious? What is it that's distracting you? Take these moments and say, God, here it is. And even in two minutes, could you say, Lord, I'm going to leave it with you. I can't handle it, but you can. Would you do that? Could you do that? Let's take two minutes. Let me pray for you. Lord, 
Oh, two minutes does not sound like a long time, but God, just we could even in this time and in the remainder of our day and even our life be in the habit of bringing it before you. And in faith, praying for your protection and help. And in faith, focus on you, even when we're out in the storm, walking towards us on the water saying, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Even here in the storm, I'm with you. Father, I pray, would you use these two minutes and the many minutes following to remind us how we can cast our care upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.